0: Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live, and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Well, let's get your Bibles. Let's get ready. Get your notes out. Get ready to jot a few things down. We're going to have fun in God's Word today. Is God's Word fun? I like it. I like it. It's very fun. So uh, my message title today, you can write this on your notes at the very top, is this. It's power and authority. And then you put a little colon after that power and authority, it's time to use it. In fact, it's time to use both because they work together and uh, we're going to see this, how it plays out in the scriptures. As I shared uh, yesterday, I really believe there's a shift and there's a transition that's going on in the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is beginning to be awakened and part of this shift is we are to be equipped and to be engaged with ministry and to be empowered, empowered to release that Holy Spirit power. So that's what this is about. And that's what the season that we're walking into as a church. So get your Bibles open to the book of Acts chapter number three, verse one, Acts three, one. You know, when you have uh, dominion over, over something, it's just like, you just don't want, anybody messing with it. Like if somebody comes and messes with your car and, and causes a problem with your car, it's like, hey, that's my car. Don't don't mess with my car, you know? Uh, but, but that's the way we need to see the work of the Holy Spirit because the enemy will come to try to do all kinds of things, and, uh, and, and we just need to take authority. Uh, something really interesting happened. This week was a kind of a, this last week's kind of a, not kind of, it was a pretty long week, so I was getting in after dark each night and I think it was Wednesday night but Wednesday evening or Thursday evening I came in and and it was about it was about 10 o'clock and and as I was coming in I had a couple loads of stuff I had to bring in for my car you know how you just like accumulate stuff in your car maybe y'all don't I do so it took me a couple loads to bring it in and and I, I was brought in the first load and as soon as I brought it in my two little chihuahuas met me at the door and they were so happy they were saying we're so happy to see you daddy yay they call me daddy and uh, they do it in Spanish because they're chihuahuas, you know. But they, they go, padre! <laughs> and so they're so happy and they jump. They're wagging their tails. They know not to jump on me, so they just kind of jump. And they do spins. They just go and spin in circles. And, and so they're so happy to see me. I'm happy to see them. They're smiling. I'm smiling at them. And I take my first load, and I, I sit it on the kitchen counter, which is right in through the back door. And and as I'm setting it on the kitchen counter, I notice out of the corner of my eyes, I had left the door open behind me. The two dogs just went, just took off without making a noise. They just zoomed, took off and I'm like, oh great, now they're going outside. They're going to be gone for hours. This is not how I want to end my day. And so I try to stop and say, stop! You know, it's all in slow motion. And as I turn around, I see this huge black dog that had obviously followed me into the kitchen that was in my space. But it wasn't just that it was my space, it was Peanut and Buttercup's space. Those two little female dogs, you know, we just we just call them female dogs around here. Those two little female dogs, they saw that big dog and they took off. They they just like and they're it was it was like ah. I mean, I'm freaking out. Who is this dog in here? And these two little and that dog spun around so stinking fast and. Pour out. I'm chasing them also. I'm running out into the back into the driveway and, and I see my two little dogs disappearing between the neighbor's houses across the street and I'm like, what just happened? And I said, peanut buttercup, go back. Like, they're going to be chasing this dog forever. And you continue to hear the sounds of but it's the chihuahua sound. I never heard the big dog do anything. And then, no kidding, 45 seconds later, after they had left and they were gone, they just came running back around from the opposite direction, wagging their tails, smiling, saying, Daddy, aren't you proud of us? <laughs> and I was so proud of them. I was actually proud they came back. You know? But I was so happy. I let them in the house. and Like, you did good. You know, I gave them treats. I mean, it's fun to chase mean dogs out of the house. But what had happened there is there was a presence that came in. Through an open door. Now, sometimes, I, I, I open doors can allow things in, um, and and i don't i'm not i'm not the type of person who, who believes that uh, if if there, if there's a door open that that uh, that you have done something wrong necessarily because we come and go in life we just do and so there are at times open doors we need to keep them we need to go back and close them but that door was only open for a few seconds as i walked in and something followed me in and at that point in a sense, it was like there was evil that didn't belong. I, I just call that big black big dog evil. I, it's probably the nicest, tamest dog in the neighborhood, really. But it's like evil followed me in and was, could potentially set up residence. Can you imagine if my dogs weren't there, if I didn't see that dog, and I closed the door, that dog would have been in the house all night long. <laughs> What did I accidentally allow in? But the bigger deal is, is that there were two little dogs in that house that said, we have authority and we have power. Now, chihuahuas don't have a very big... The the truth is that dog could have, like, crunched each of those dogs in one bite. But... I'm sorry to be grotesque, some of you freaked out here, but it's, it's, it's all right. They could have, but those little dogs, they knew they had authority, and they went rushing toward the problem with their authority and with the power of their barks and their little high-pitched growls, and they took off, and they dealt with the issue. You know what? Sometimes you might feel like you're, you're just nothing. You're just out here. You're just kind of operating in your little space. And there are these giants and there are these big issues surrounding you. Well, today I'm going to encourage you to step out in power and authority. It's time for you to start using it and not allow what has been, what has come in or what even snuck in through an open door or an open window or what is trying to take up dominion in your life. Don't allow it to be there anymore. It's time to drive it out. Now, I'm going to refer to this through a miracle of healing, so really for today in particular, I'm talking about healing, uh, but but it really applies in a broad sense to just any any area of your life. So we're going to be looking in Acts chapter three verse. Number one in Acts chapter three, verse one. This is three months after the day of Pentecost, when God had poured out His Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, upon all the people that were there in Jerusalem. That or that hundred and twenty, two thousand people got saved on the day of Pentecost. The church was growing every day. They were baptizing people, and, and people would come. And they would, they would come to prayer at the temple. That was the place where they met. They didn't have like, they didn't all of a sudden build a church and put a steeple on it and put a cross at the top. No, what they did is, is they just continued meeting there at the temple. So, so we're, we're going to pick this up. We're going to pick up this story in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. There, there's these, there are these new Jesus followers who were around around there. Jerusalem would never be the same again. Take a look at verse 1. It says, one day, Peter and John, Now we know those guys were two of Jesus' disciples, now what we would call apostles. They were going up to the temple at the time of prayer in, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the, the daily times of prayer were, was actually a Jewish routine. It was a tradition. There would be two times of prayer. There's the 9 a.m. prayer and the 3 p.m. prayer. Well, they were on their way just to the 3 p.m. prayer meeting, and they're just being good Jews. Uh, they, they were worshiping God through the faith that they had been raised in, but of course they're now Christian Jews. Uh, at this time, uh, they weren't called Christians yet. They were, there were a lot of different names that were kind of being thrown out to the group, like followers of the way, the, the, uh, the, the followers of the Messiah. They called them also sometimes the brothers or believers, that kind of a thing. But, but they weren't yet called Christians, but they were there going to the temple to pray and to engage with the Holy Spirit. So look at the next verse. It says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. That was the name of the gate. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple. Courts. So again, they're on their way to prayer. They see a crippled beggar. This, uh, the, the, so the man is totally unable to walk. You see that some people had carried him and put him there. And uh, and really, everyone in the city had probably already seen this man. Uh, he'd been there, I'm sure, all of his life. And and Jesus, in fact, had probably passed this man many times himself. So this is actually like a perfect setup for a public miracle. It's a perfect setup to drive back the enemy in somebody's life. God's about to stir things up. Okay, look at the next says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the gate, enter the gate, he asked them for money. Again, this, this man was probably lame since birth, and so uh, a miracle had not even entered his mind. He's like, hey, what do you got? You got some money, I need some money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting expecting to get something from them again he's not thinking that he's going to get a healing he's expecting to get some money and then peter said silver or gold i do not have In in other words like i don't have any cash on me but i do have something else look at this this is good but what i do have i give you so, okay, what is it? I don't see anything in your hands. He <laughs> says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him up by his right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. <laughs> Okay, this is a big scene. Keep going. It says, When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John so he's holding on to them physically all the people were astonished so now they're connecting Peter and John with with the man and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade that's also known as Solomon's porch so this would have been a huge uh, outdoor area this is where the people would have been coming for for prayer uh, really thousands of people could gather out there A huge outdoor area with a platform it says when Peter saw this he said to them, hey, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness have made this man walk? Now, I just want to pause there for a second. I want to take it back to the dogs. Did my chihuahuas have the power to drive out the, that big dog? They, they really did. That dog could have just stood there. They had authority and they had a bark. And, and are they good, perfect dogs? No. Peanut sneaks out all the time. I, mean, I, I sometimes I, I don't even know if she's a Christian. All right. <laughs> Seriously, I, I sometimes I leave on Sundays it's like y'all just tune into them to like some show or something and get learn about God. But 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 these 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 dogs. They mess up in life, but I'll tell you what, they have some authority. And, and there's something else here. Look at this. He says, why do you stare at us as if by our, our own power or our godliness? And this is a myth here, that you have to reach a certain level of godliness before God's power is going to work through you. You know what? God, God's power is available to anyone and everyone who's willing to do so. Willing to let it work in you. And don't worry, God will clean, clean things up with you, Okay. And then look down at verse 19. So he preaches to everybody and and then he says this. I like this. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Okay, now I wanted to give you some quick observations about this. We're, we're going to dig into this. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching on this so we can understand this passage because it applies to so many areas of our life. First of all, one of the things you can see, one of my, I have like four observations from this, but one of the observations is there's actually a medical report in here. This particular passage of, of scripture was written by Luke, who was a physician. So he would have thought about these things as he wrote this. And, and Luke makes it clear that it was a birth defect and that would have been important to him. Another thing that I noticed is Luke also made it clear that there was no physical therapy that was needed after the healing. I mean he was jumping and he was he was running and jumping. I I, I know that when I broke my patella, it I was not running or jumping for a long time after the bone had fused, after the healing was was done. <laughs> I, that was wonderful. I thought I would just like take off running the next day and know it, it actually took a year of therapy for my for my leg to, to get the muscles and the tendons back to, uh, the way that it should have been. I understand a year of therapy. It took zero physical therapy. There was the, you know, the atrophy, the, the tendonitis, all that kind of stuff that would have been in his legs. It's gone. That was immediately taken care of. So I can imagine his legs all of a sudden becomes strong and muscular just like any other person who's out walking and running and jumping. And so the healing could only be attributed to supernatural power. And that's actually critical for us to see this. And and here's the deal. God still heals physically, supernaturally in today's world. Second observation I have about this is about the authority and the power to heal, which is one of the things that I want you to see. Authority and power is critical. Uh, Peter had something in his personal possession that he could actually use at will. And it wasn't money. We we know that money wasn't it. But what he had was Holy Spirit authority and supernatural power power, okay? So what this did is this manifested itself, in this instance, as healing power. Now God's authority, Holy Spirit authority and supernatural power doesn't always manifest itself the same way. In this case, though, it manifested as bringing healing, healing power. In fact, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that's a, this is a critical scripture right here, Jesus, before he departed, right before he went into the air, he said, you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about these gifts of the Spirit that God gives to us. And so Peter basically is declaring with authority with what he has. He has this. He says, what I have, I give. Do you understand? He possessed it, and he also had the ability to disperse it. Oh my goodness, do you get that? like, well, I don't feel God right now. Well, he's in you. I I tell you what, if you're a believer, he's in you. And you don't always feel like it. You don't always feel like it. But man, that's why we soak in God. That's why we worship. That's why we pray to stay full of his spirit. And therefore, what you have, you can give at will. That's good news to every stinking believer. Not not every stinking believer, but every believer. All right. (laughs) But there's actually a greater combination of power that's being released here in this this uh, instance, because this is the first instance we see something happening where su- where this type of supernatural power is is joined together. Uh, there were these healing delegations that Jesus sent out in, in uh, John chapters 9 and 10, all, excuse me, Luke 9 and 10, and also Matthew chapter 10. Uh, but, but Jesus had sent out these healing de- delegations, and he gave them authority uh, to, to, to do miracles. And so, so that was the first kind of power that was released. And that, that power in the New Testament, it's an important word for us, for wh- where we are where we're going, it's called exousia. And here's the definition of it. it it's, it's actually the, the Greek word, or one of the Greek words that's typically used for power. Uh, but it is what it means is power delegated by a higher authority, okay? So when, 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 when Jesus first sent Peter and the other people in the Gospels out to heal people, he gave them exousia. He delegated authority to them. Here's an example. Uh, an example of this would be like a United States ambassador who's in another country. They're not going to get anywhere on their own name. Nobody's going to care about their own name. Say, so, well, this is Jim. Like, okay, Jim, Jim Bob, that's nice. We're glad you're here and you're from America. That's nice. But the Jim Bob isn't going to get him anywhere. But what the what what happens with a uh, with an ambassador is they have been delegated authority from a higher authority, which is actually the president. So the president delegates authority to this ambassador. So what happens is the ambassador says, I come in the name of the president of the United States. States and they will literally say that I come in the name of the president of the United States okay that all of a sudden changes everything. It gets attention. All of a sudden, it's like, it's like the, the chihuahua saying, oh, this is our space. Uh-uh, we have authority here. You, you understand what I'm saying? So when we pray in the name of Jesus, what we're doing is we're actually exercising this type of authority called exousia, which is delegated power and authority from God. Now, there's a second type of power that we find in the New Testament, and that is the word called Dunamis. And that is the Greek word for... It's also a Greek word that's used for power in the New Testament, but we start seeing this in the book of Acts. Uh, And what this is, dunamis is is a great strength based on indwelling power. So they have operated in this delegated authority to work miracles in the name of Jesus and which we still have today but now there's an additional layer of power which is something on the inside. In fact the first mention of this is in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when Jesus says you will receive power Now, he says dunamis. He doesn't say exousia. Now, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So, the Holy Spirit goes into you, and he fills you. And remember, that power of the Holy Spirit is yours. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you have received this indwelling uh, power of God, this this dunamis. And you also have, (laughs) this is good, the name of Jesus, which is your delegated authority. So, really, what you're able to do, because of this power that's in you, you are able to operate in the same level, you have the same level of power that Jesus Christ had when he walked on this earth. Does that mean you're like Jesus? Well, we want to be like Jesus. We're not perfect like him. But but I tell you, Jesus said you're going to do even greater works because I'm going to the Father. So he gives him the, his name. He, he delegates that authority and then he also gives his spirit, which is the same spirit that, see, Jesus received that Holy Spirit upon him when he was baptized. You know, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. So Jesus Jesus the power that Jesus operated in, which was delegated authority as well as indwelling power, that's the same thing that we have. You know, here's the deal. We why would you even want to begin a ministry or, or to make a difference in the world if you don't have both of those powers working for you? I mean, just imagine what you can do on your cultural street and you know health and vitality or faith or government, arts and entertainment. Imagine as you are in the community interacting with people when you have not only the name of Jesus, that delegated authority with you because you're a child of God, but you also have this indwelling power, this dunamis getting ready to burst out. That, that way, when a situation does come up, It's like, what I have, I can deliver right now. I can deliver. It's not about me. It's not about my godliness. It's not about about my own power. It's about the power of God. Now, take a look at this. I have this statement, and it's up here on the screens. It says, we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, but it can only be used by the authority given by Jesus. So that's why our prayers and our words are important. That's why you need to pray in the name of Jesus. You cannot heal a person in your own name. I can't go up to someone and say, in the name of Tim, be healed. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. No. In fact, there's a story. that's funny. It's in the Book of Acts. It's actually quite a hilarious story. Some people are trying to cast out demons in the name of one of the, of, the name of one of the apostles, and it's like, well, I don't know what the, who that, I know who those guys are. I don't know who you are, and that ain't going to work. And these demon possessed people like attack the guys that were trying to do it. It's like yeah, that doesn't work, because it's not about the person. It's about the person's desire and ability to let God flow through them. If you want it, you have it. Yes. Now, I, I have some observations about this healing which work with, with, uh, with uh, so much of what we have around us. And this third observation is this, is about faith for healing. Now, I'm, again, I'm talking about healing, but I think we also need to, to see this in a larger sense of faith for miracles, faith for God to turn something around. Now, when we look at this story, the faith that the beggar had actually had nothing to do with his miracle. Do you realize that? It had nothing to do with that. Peter didn't say, believe. No, what actually Peter did is says, I'll tell you what I'm going to give to you. And he just pulled him up and said, in the name of Jesus, get up, get up, come on, start walking. Who had the faith in this story? Peter did. Peter had the faith. Here, here's the deal. Please don't ever succumb to a bad teaching that says you're not healed because you didn't have enough faith. All right? That's bad teaching. Because our faith does waver from time to time, but that's why God allows. That's why miracles work where there are people interacting with the Spirit of God. That's that's actually how it works. So the faith of Peter brought healing to this man, and uh, and and there's also the faith of the sick person. The Faith of the sick person, you know, this, this is another observation here that's, that's not in this particular passage of Scripture, but faith of the person who's afflicted can also bring the miracle. I just want to read this to you. This is from Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, the story of Jesus. It's as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men said to him, and, and, uh, and he asked, the, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, do you believe all right, that I am able to do this. Yes, Lord, they replied, and he touched their eyes, and he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you, and their sight was restored. So... Basically, Jesus says, do you want this healing? Do you believe, do you believe I can do this? Yeah. Okay, then it's according to your faith. So the faith of the sick person coupled by someone who's actually delivering ministry, bringing ministry, your faith also does play into it. So it can be the, the faith of the person who's, who's, who's bringing the ministry. It can be the faith of the person who's, who's uh, receiving the ministry. But there's also a third type. Did you know that? There's also the intermediary. This is important to understand how God's miracles work, because now we have a stool. We have three parts. There's an intermediary. In, 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 uh, in Matthew chapter number eight, there's the story of the centurion, which was a man who was a Roman. Uh, he was a Roman leader of of an, of an army, and. He approached Jesus needing healing for his personal servant. He says, when Jesus Jesus entered Capernaum, just listen to this, the centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come heal him? the centurion replied Lord I do not deserve to have you come under my roof just say the word and my servant will be healed okay now this is interesting because he says because I am a man who is under authority so he understands the power of authority you guys got to get this you are, we are also under authority of the name of Jesus okay I says, I'm a man who is under authority with soldiers under me I tell this one go and he goes I tell that one come and he comes I say to my servant do this and he does this When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and they said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In, In other words, faith came by understanding how delegated authority works, okay? Faith came to him by understanding how delegated authority works. So, What did Jesus do? He just said to the centurion, well, obviously you understand the power of delegated authority. So he said, go and let it be done to you as you believed it would. (laughs) And the scripture says at that very moment not when he got back home. Jesus didn't go. Jesus didn't even anoint him with oil. Jesus didn't even give him a handkerchief. I mean, God heals all kinds of different ways. I mean, no, it was just he was healed at that very moment. See, Jesus released the healing. The servant was healed miles away, but there was an intermediary, someone else, this, the centurion who had the faith. Centurion had the faith. All right? So there, there's that. And then there's also the, the one of the, the example of when a person performs a healing or brings a miracle, that person's faith works also, which is the story we're talking about today. Now, all three are important. Every single one of these are important. I don't believe that God wants us to try to create formulas based upon any one of these methods, but I think all three are important. Here's why. I want you to get your faith going to believe for miracles because this is an atmosphere where miracles can happen. You see, because we are together, there is this atmosphere, and and you might be just saying, "Well, I don't need healing, and and I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, del- I can deliver a, a healing or a miracle through the power in me." To- but but you know what? You can be in this room and you can be contributing to it. You could actually be the intermediary. That's why when we have prayer, when we are praying for one another and we're laying hands on people, that. You, you have a responsibility not to be just an observer. Don't just, don't just be an observer. You actually get to participate. You know, one of the really sad things about sports is everybody watches the sports and yells at them, saying, do this, do this, do this. Oh, oh, man, if I were out there, I would do it different. And, and, but all you can do is yell. You lose your voice, and you get all your energy just come bursting out of you for nothing. Does it do any good? No. No. Now, if you want, if you like doing that, that's fine. But it, I'm just saying, it doesn't do any good. But you realize that in an atmosphere like this, if a person is being prayed for to receive a miracle, and you just, you, you know, you don't, you can't just sit there and, and observe. And go, hmm, oh well, that's that's interesting. No, actually, as you begin to participate in worship and praise, sometimes we'll say, stretch your hands. You're, you're, you cannot. Your faith may be the faith that delivers the miracle. Do you see that? That is powerful powerful and so god wants to work miracles you can believe the other person delivering the miracle can believe a person who's who's an observer can 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 participate in that this is uh, christianity is a participation sport we all get to be on the playing field but here's what's important miracles and healings by themselves do not save a soul See, God gives us power and authority to bring these things into the world, but there's an ultimate end goal for God. Now, this can open up people's minds to the gospel, but, but, uh, but potentially we, we, don't, we don't know, you know what, what can happen when we begin to do, use God's power like this, but the goal is ultimately for God. It's about salvation because that's what God cares the most about. Now, so I have some observations about the healing. This last observation is this, is the timing of it, because I think the timing was perfect. Jesus, I'm sure, had passed by this guy several times. Peter and John, they had passed by him many times also. The normal temple goers in town, they all recognized the man. They said they recognized he was the man who begged. So, so everybody, I mean, hundreds of people, whoever, however many were there, recognized him. And so here's the deal. Why had he not been healed previously? Why? And we... Don't. No. Think about this. God himself, Jesus Christ, very likely walked right past him many times. Why didn't Jesus heal him? There's a timing for things as well. We don't understand God's time and God's timing, but here's here's what I can see. From the scriptures. God saved this miracle to be a miracle that would happen through the anointing of God, the, the power of delegated authority and, and that dunamis authority, that power going through Peter. And that would happen in the temple that day so that people would see this thing is legitimate. This is God's power. And see what he did is Peter just had extraordinary compassion. And you've got, you've got to be able to respond to this. Sometimes you'll feel something, you'll feel compassion, or you'll feel like this is something. Thing I wish I could intervene in. Stop wishing and start intervening. You don't have to make a big scene about it, but you can begin to pray right where you are for something to change, for something to shift. And you can have this desire for a miracle, and that's how God uses you to, to bring miracles. Uh, and, and, and I love it. I believe that desire to, to heal people or desire to bring miracles, it comes from God. Philippians chapter 2.13 says this. <laughs> I like it. This is a good one. It says, for it is God... Who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He puts the desire, the will in you, and he, he motivates you to take action. Why? It's to fulfill the purposes of God. So when you have compassion on something, you're feeling a stirring in your spirit recognize it as being something that is coming from God. God chooses the time, but you have the delegated authority and the power to release that. And if you uh, if you receive a miracle, don't ever hide it. Don't like, well, thank you, God, for that miracle. That was special. I'd be so embarrassed if anybody finds out that I received a miracle, you know. Hey, miracles meet needs. They meet legitimate needs. But here's the deal. You need to, you have a responsibility at that point to draw attention to God. What would have happened if the man who was healed at the beautiful gate that day had just gotten up and go, "Woo, this does work. Thanks, cool dude. See you later. I walked home and, and it's like, man, this is. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm gonna go buy myself a cheeseburger and 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 he, he. I mean, he could have done that and and I, that's a wonderful thing. But no, what he did is he testified. There's power in your testimony because there was a great harvest of souls after that. Many people came to Jesus as a result. Uh, there was the healing. One man benefited from that, but many benefited with eternal life. I'm telling eternal life as a result of this man testifying. He testified by his deeds. He showed people, man, he's running and he's jumping and, and he's holding on to these, these, these apostles and he testified by his word. He was, saying, he was giving praise to God. Thank you, God, for healing me. God, he was... He was singing and shouting praise to God all through the temple courts using his mouth. And the focus ultimately was to give glory to God. So the people who were there in the temple who saw this, they could not deny that, that, uh, that it was the authority and the power that flowed through Peter to him. And that's why they were surprised and they were amazed just like they were three months earlier at the day of Pentecost. But then their eyes were directed that it's not about us. It's about him. that's what this church is about. That's what you're about. See, Peter's response to the miracle ultimately was to win people to Jesus. That's our heart as well. Uh, I don't think this is any kind of a planned strategy that he had, but uh, Jesus had, I mean, Peter had to give an impromptu sermon because all these people are gathering around and they're wanting to know what just happened. He took the, I love it. It's, guys, this is good when God uses you to work miracles get the attention off yourself as quickly as possible I, I just wonder if, if, we, if we put the attention on us if God's going to go man oh, that really wasn't the, the goal here I think he, did, he would if I were God I'd do that but what God wants is, is, is he wants you to get the attention off yourself and say man it's not because I'm so good I'm not all that no this is about the power of God so he preached and he told people hey here's the deal you need to repent of your sins and then he goes on to tell them you need to receive forgiveness saying "Saying God wants to refresh you I love it because he said you can read this passage for yourself but he said God wants to bring seasons and times of refreshing to your life And then, if you continue to read on the rest of the story of how Peter brought them to repentance and told them about the the refreshing that would come, he called them to now be a part of world evangelism. In other words, he'd say, now let's join the church. Join the church. Join this effort in getting the word out into every nation around this world. That's where it still is today. I have great desire that God will use his power in our midst, but I will never be a person who elevates that above what God does through it because ultimately a person can be healed in this earth and they can still end up with an eternity in hell. But here's the deal if a person receives something wonderful from God, they testify, talk about it, and the attention goes to Jesus, people are going to want Jesus. Do you get this? Way, there's way, way too much dabbling with the occult today. People trying to find methods of 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 controlling situations and, and putting hexes and curses on things. And it's elevating in today's culture like never before. But you know what? There's a counter to that. There's a power that's much greater than that. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And I'm telling you guys, you have it. You have it. You have it. I love it because Peter says this. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. He said, repent, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing will come from the Lord. First and foremost today, if you're here today and you're not in right relationship with Jesus, he's not your Lord and your Savior, then I I just want you to receive Christ today before we go any further. Just love for everyone just to close your eyes all across this room. If you're watching online, I just encourage you to open your heart right now to what the Holy Spirit is beginning to do. If you're feeling your chest pounding, uh, that's the Holy Spirit, it's not me. Just open up your hearts right now, if, if that's you this this morning. You're, you're not a follower of Christ. There's sin in your life, but you're here and you're curious and you say, I, I want that and I need that. Pastor Tim, will you pray for me? Here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to lift your hand for me at the count of three so I can see it. Hold it up until I acknowledge you, okay? Just keep it up until I acknowledge you. One, two, three. Lift your hand up for me so I can pray with you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. You lifted your hand because you want to take this step forward in your life spiritually. It's time to put the past behind you. And this is the greatest thing that can happen in this service today. So let me ask you to pray these words with me. Congregation, pray these as well. Pray them uh, even through our, our video stream as well. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Today I make the choice to turn from the way I've lived and begin to serve you with all of my heart. Let your spirit come to dwell in me as I am now a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's a second part to this prayer today because in just a moment, I want to open this up for some prayer. Um, But before we open up for time of prayer, guys, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to kind of like stand kind of strong here and I'm going to say you need to receive this power. I just want to declare over you it's time to rise up in the power of God and understand God wants to use you. God wants to use you possibly as an intermediary, possibly as a person who delivers miracles, I don't know. But if that spirit of God is in you, understand you have the name of Jesus and you do not have to doubt anything. Remember, if you could only see what I saw, that big, that big stinking dog being chased away by two little chihuahuas. I don't care how big the situation is, you have authority to walk out in it. i like, you to stand all across this room right now will you stand and i just want you to lift your hands to the lord i want you to receive god god i just pray that there will be a new boldness that will come over your people god a boldness to use your name to walk in the authority of the name of jesus christ and say in the name of jesus darkness will be broken in the name of jesus be healed in the name of Jesus I pray that this spirit will be driven out in the name of Jesus we push back this storm in Jesus name the power of the name of Jesus and God I also thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit and God even now in this setting we just pray that you fill us fresh and new God we want your indwelling power to be released through us so that what we have we can deliver at will What we have, we can deliver at will because it is the power and it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we ask for that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.